0: The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musok I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Hanging in there. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, yes, I'm well actually. I'm well.
2: Oh, well
1: I, I, I mean, I saw
2: probably a reason why. What's that? <laughs> no. no, no. goes to a gig in Berlin by uh, one of the most famous musical artists in the world. guy <laughs> called Ed Sheeran. You may have heard of him. <laughs> and uh, Ed Sheeran
1: does a whole like this one goes out to my
2: friend Moose who I've known since I was like 16
1: <laughs> yes okay so very quickly I should probably explain so um, so I did a gig many years ago and Ed gets on stage in the pub no longer exists that's for sure it's called the Cross Kings at the ICTOMS Festival run by the great Kevin Malloy and Ed comes on stage and he's just moved to London and it's like literally he's on the act after us and he's his first gig in London and um, we became friends straight after that his gig because I said this is amazing, and I met my friends after. And I said, "I have just met someone who's going to be the biggest musician in the world." And My mates were like, "They looked like I had three heads, as they often do, because I have a lot of hot takes."
2: I mean, you know,
1: <laughs> understandable. Yeah, it's my hottest. It's my I, hottest. I love thing. you very much, but let's just say you hype your people. I do hype my people. Yeah, yeah. And three uh, straight Champions Leagues. Three Champions Leagues, exactly. So I was like, three straight Grammys. <laughs> Ed Sheeran's gonna win three straight Grammys. <laughs> so yeah, after so for the next three years, I was running around like London, going this guy's going to be huge and, um, you know, we were friends and everything and he became huge and the weird thing is I've never really mentioned it. Like, the only reason I mentioned it publicly is because he mentioned it publicly and I was like, oh, it's okay now but there's this weird thing when you meet someone at the very beginning of their careers, they're basically, they're always that age to you so until I think even a few months ago, he was always the 16 year old who wasn't sure who's going to make it and there were a lot of times it was touch and go and he was like, I might not actually, I might give up music and we saw all of that so when he made it, we always, I always believed in him. We always believed in him, like the close friends. But to see him do it, there's always that element of, is he going to be okay? Is he all right? Is he going to be, he's playing to like 100,000 people in Melbourne, he's going to be fine. <laughs> does yeah. Does he know there's Latante? He just, he does not. He just, ooh, <laughs> interesting. Anyway, yeah, that, that was a lovely moment. And um, yeah, so I'm um, very, very happy he's done so well. And uh, yeah, it was a joy to.
2: I'm sure he's very happy that you've done all right as well
1: he's been I will say this actually before we get into the football um I just want to say he's been extremely supportive of everything um and it's been seems like a good dude yeah very much so and I, I we had a joke I said you're so you're so talented that I'm going to start succeeding when you start retiring <laughs> and sure enough the kind of worked out like yeah, uh- <laughs> the first year he took off <laughs> the first year he took off was my first major breakthrough as a writer so yeah
2: oh I was gonna say we didn't start till Stadio didn't start till
1: 2019. <laughs> as a writer, <laughs> as a writer. Well,
2: anyway, that was just nice. It was a very wholesome moment. and I just thought I wanted i wanted to share it with people who don't follow at Okwonga on Instagram, which wow. is also the uh, Stadio complaints line. It is indeed. Aokwonga on Twitter or Instagram. Twitter, the dying civilization that it is. Some of us oh are still... Oh, God, we need to get out. A of- quick bit of admin before we get on to the football. Well, first of all, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever yes. you are in the world. Yeah. We've got a bit of a temp um, a tempo change. Well, I mean, it might be a tempo change. A schedule change yeah. over the next couple of weeks. This is Wrighty's House and Stadio related. So next week, Stadio is normal on Monday. Yeah. No Wrighty's House on Tuesday, because it will be there will be a little there's a kind of little live session in London going on with a couple of special guests and that will go up Wednesday morning. And then There'll also be a bonus or a, not a bonus. Basically, Wright's House next week will be Wednesday and Thursday. There'll be an immediate reaction to Man City Arsenal it will go up Thursday morning and then Stadio will be Monday and Friday next week. Mm. So, same shows, just a little bit of a different, different order. And then the week after, there won't be a Stadio on the Monday, May the 1st. Um, we're going to be recording a Wright's House at the Emirates Stadium after the Arsenal Wolfsburg Champions League game that'll go up Tuesday, um, and then there will be another Wright's House on Wednesday after Arsenal men's game with Chelsea, and then Stadio will be on Thursday, and there'll be no Wright's House on Friday. So basically, just to recap: next week, Monday Stadio, Tuesday nothing, Wednesday Wright's House, Thursday Wright's House, Friday Stadio. Week after. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, writer's house. Wednesday, writer's house. Thursday, stadio. Friday, nothing. And then obviously, you've got Counterpress
1: as well. So There you go, everyone. Hopefully, it addresses a significant amount of your football needs. Hope so. (laughs) And if not... Well, maybe it never did, so you know.
2: (laughs) uh, Today, we're going to talk about the Men's Champions League, which the the semi-finalists are set. But before we do, um, obviously, Flo and the gang will, will be talking about this on Counterpress, but Manchester United are in a commanding position at the top of the WSL after beating Arsenal 1-0 thanks to Alessio Russo's goal on the stroke of half-time. We won't go into it too much because, like I say, we'll leave Flo and the gang to do that. But um, Chelsea got two games in hand, Mm. but Manchester United are four points clear. Arsenal have got to play Chelsea. Manchester United have to play Man City. So, could be points dropped for both uh, in the title run-in, worrying for Arsenal, Leah Williamson walked off with a nasty-looking injury. She limped off in the first half. No news as to what that is yet, but um, only, what, less than 100
1: days out from the World Cup. That's very worrying for Arsenal and for England. And I know, look, I don't want to make excuses for teams. I will just say that there's so much talk about the me and me about injuries, but the chemical, mm-hmm. injury, the chemical injury, I think, is just something which is, in its own way, just the most devastating. Yeah, because in, in a, fun, a, in a funny way you can reconfigure for Mead and Miedema weirdly enough mm. but for Kim Little I'm not I'm not so sure you can but we'll see we'll see but but also like look, no disrespect to Man United women who this is a huge win it's the kind of win they were due they should have got that Chelsea victory um, they mm. were on the form to have got it so I'm glad for them from that perspective I still fear it might be slightly too much to pull back but let's see how it plays out
2: let's so yeah great result for Manchester United beating Arsenal 1-0 Brighton beat Everton to, uh, 3-2 in the other game but yeah, elsewhere, just quickly before we, we do the, the Men's Champions League, uh, just a quick shout for Denise O'Sullivan's 99th minute equaliser for the North Carolina Courage in the NWSL <laughs> Challenge Cup, which was an amazing volley from the edge of the box. Um, and uh, I, I forgive me, I can't remember. It was just like, it was one of those that just went straight over the keeper because it was so hard. Oh my God. What, just like, uh,
1: right, right down the throat, but you don't, yeah, see, you yeah, don't yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: um, Forgive me, I don't know who it was, but there was the co-commentator on CBS. Just said banger,
0: which I think that. summed Love it up
2: where, uh, pretty fairly. But yeah, great goal from Denise. Um, All right, Men's Champions League time.
0: Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000 Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
2: Should we begin in the Allianz? I think we should. I think we should. Bayern won. Manchester City won. Mm. uh, uh, A goal from Erling Holland after he uh, hit a penalty over the bar in the first half. And Joshua Kimmich also with a penalty for Bayern. Manchester City progressing four one in aggregate, which I feel like maybe hides a little bit of the truth of the tie. Now I think that the the second leg that you have to put it into context that Manchester City had a three goal lead from the first leg, so I think were you know just it was damage limit not damage limitation, but limit limiting the potential of a comeback.
1: Yes, yes.
2: I actually don't think that the patterns of play were too dissimilar from the first leg or the second leg. They actually weren't. they, they weren't. were very similar. And Tuckle was interviewed afterwards saying that, you know, he 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 was basically saying that they just couldn't put the ball in the net. Mm. Um I think their XG over both legs was not too dissimilar to Manchester City. Obviously both teams getting a questionable penalty in the second leg. Um but yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that's absolutely fair. I think Bayern, well, it, in short, that was the kind of the story of this round, Really, That was the story of the second legs in terms of finishing. It did come down to that. But again, the Champions League gets margins. You look at the goal that even um, Holland scores, and it's a Parmakano slipping on the edge of the box. Yeah, he did not have a good tie overall. He did not have a good tie overall. And actually, if someone lost out most of all from the sacking of Nagelsmann, it was maybe a Pamacano who had found form, actually. He'd belatedly found form in the Champions League and in the league under Nagelsmann, and now he's gone again. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, this game, this tie, City were just, they were just ruthless when it mattered. Mm. Holland missed that penalty absolutely skied, and I don't think, again, that's another conversation we'll get about officiating and handballs, because I don't know what handball is now, because there was and a I mean, clear, yeah. in my opinion, there was a clear foul on Messiala, And it wasn't even reviewed and that was a penalty in my opinion. I agree. And then there's a handball awarded and it's almost surreal because it's what else can a Parmacano do but touch that because he's not even facing it. He's got his hand behind his back he's turning away um, and all the rest of it. So that gets given. But in between all of that City just they always had that sense that they would make and score another goal. They'd always they always had the extra bit of creativity in them whereas with with Bayern Criticism of them was they did make as many chances. The XG was as good, but it was laboured. It was laboured in a way, labored, yeah. you know. Like, and I,
2: I think this is an interesting thing because Super Moten came back in for the second leg, right? Mm. And um, I wonder whether there just seemed to be a rhythm to Bayern's attacking threat, where they got into pretty decent positions for cutbacks, but there was just this extra laboured step there mm. which meant that Manchester City were ki- could kind of deal with anything yes. in the box you know not starting Thomas Muller in both games for me is a really curious one because I feel like I mean you've literally written pieces about him in the stage of the Champions League where if you need someone to find those little pockets of space you know it's like like letting someone riff on the, on the, the most tightly constructed band yeah. because you need someone to find that magic and that was all Bayern seemed to be missing. Like everything was, like for example, in the second leg, you know, the Leroy Sané chance is a great example of this. Like Bayern cut through Man City really well, and they did this quite a few times. They did, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Sané should score. Then this is 17 minutes in, and if Bayern get ahead, I think it's a it's a completely different game. Absolutely, because they had been they'd started the better side with that crowd. I feel that like energy. in yeah. exactly, but in the tie overall. You know, how many times have you seen that moment where, for example, Thomas Muller might might be square for the ball to be rolled in or points in in the box where, I'm not saying that that chance specifically, that's a bad example, but there were a couple of times where they got into the box, got to the byline and there was just this, it was just a little bit too static Mm. or no one could pull into those pockets that Thomas Muller could.
1: Totally. There is a parallel universe in which Narcosman still has the job and Thomas Muller starts both ties. And Bayern goes through. Well, there is. There is. Look, I just, I'm going to, I will keep saying this. The way that Bayern were playing in that second against PSG, I looked at my mates, I was watching it with in the bar and I just said, they could actually do this. Like, I'm not saying they could win the whole thing. They will, but they, I'm not saying they will win them, but they absolutely could because the way they've made PSG look even worse. PSG are not, they were not a good team in the Champions League. They made them look even worse than they were mm. because they applied an intensity and a pressure that this Bayern did not apply to City there's a psychological element as well. And people don't like talking talk about psychology too much, but as on-pitch leadership, on-pitch leadership, when Bayern concede a goal like the one that a slipped for, and it's, and it's, you know, it's what, 4-0, and it's apparently good night, that's when Müller gets active, actually. That's when Müller goes, there's still possibility. And this is, this whole Champions League second leg was about margins. Mm. And there were crucial margins everywhere. <clears throat> And frankly, if someone says that Thomas Müller doesn't make up some of those margins in a game like this, I don't believe them, actually. I really don't believe them. But anyway, that, that, that's actually relevant for the Napoli conversation as well, I think, which we'll get into yeah. a bit later. I mean,
2: I don't, think the, I don't think that the referee cost buying this tie, for example, no, I don't, especially in the second leg, but I feel like... It's, it definitely stopped their momentum in the second leg. Yes. There were a few things that I feel like. There was that really, really sneaky one early on with
1: Ruben Diaz. Oh, yes. You said the most subtle foul.
2: And, and both penalties were just ridiculous. I think neither were a penalty. I don't think.
1: I think that's fair. I think that neither were. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 the award, I don't see what else either defender has meant to do in those situations. really. No.
2: Like, Uber Meccano, you look at him, he puts his arms behind his back, right? Yeah. And then he turns and there's just a natural, like, when you move your body... It does
1: stuff. Is it possible to remain upright and maintain balance without putting your arm out?
2: I wonder whether in years, in years down the line, we're going to look back at footage of this era of football and be like, "Oh my god, why is everyone?" Yeah, what the hell was hands back?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It will feel as out of date as the back pass rule. Yeah, actually, it yeah, will. it will.
2: So Bayern are out of every competition apart from the Bundesliga now. Mm. It's the first time in 32 years that a Bayern manager has only won two of their opening six games in
1: charge. That sacking was an act of genius, wasn't it? Really catalyzed well, wow, amazing We talked wow.
2: about it the other day, but Salah Hamazic and Khan do not look particularly clever at the moment. I feel like actually this team looks more disjointed, which, listen, we kind of said that like, there
1: might be some teething problems. We talked about this. Very good friend who is a big Munich fan. He's from, he's from Munich and he was up We were just actually catching up over lunch. And he was incredulous. You know, there are some people in football who are quite good barometers. of like, Nagelsmann.
2: And he, the sake, he, he
1: just said, he just said, like, this man's mind is extraordinary. And, like, he's just an am- And he said, he made an interesting point. He said, um, it just revealed the chaos at board level because he was like, there's not the equivalent quality at board's level to bring in a, a guy like that. Like, that is someone of such a supreme coaching intellect, so smart, so assured. So, you know, you're a coach of Bayern Munich in your 30s, right? That's Munich. You're surrounded by, when you go out to dinner, you've got execs, major execs of like multi-billion dollar car companies coming up to you, Euro car companies. You're hanging out with like a lot of smart corporate people in Munich, right? The the level of discourse that you basically have to tune out the whole time is, and Nagelsmann went in and he did that. Like, not perfectly, but he did that. He held his own. And to not be given extra time, it's one of the great young coaching minds, young of his generation, not young or otherwise. And a mate was like, he was incredulous. He just basically like, what are they doing at board level? There's just, there's a cluelessness there. And I think that's the fair thing. Like, if you look at like, um, if you look at Chelsea's success on the, on the field, what did Chelsea have on, they had this incredible alignment of, at Chelsea's best in the mid-2000s, whatever, they had this alignment of brilliance at executive level, like Granovskaya. You had Granovskaya there and you had Mourinho, right? And you look at Bayern and they don't have that level of, they don't have some of that authority calling the shots because I don't think that Nagelsmann goes when you have a board that is a supreme executive quality. And I'm going to keep coming back to that now and again over this podcast in terms of executive power because I do think some of those board directors are like, they're kind of out of control, right? A couple of
2: hours ago, Jan Argyf, you're tough, tweeted, I've been told that there is a quote, ongoing process and a matter of time before Oliver Kahn, the CEO of Bayern, is removed from his position.
1: That would be absolutely fair.
2: I think it'd be completely fair. It'd be, be absolutely honest, fair. If he's the only one who goes, I think Hassan Hasan Hamazic breathes a massive sigh of relief. Absolutely. They're in a transitional period anyway. They obviously need to address the number nine spot next season. But I feel like good Bayern teams in the past have overcome those obstacles or found a way to get by. You know, like even the times when they've played Thomas Muller is a nine
1: yes exactly yeah
2: <laughs> and I was thinking I was watching the game last night and I was just thinking right when Tuchel got sent off which I still can't really I mean I send the guy off two yellows and however long it's whatever unless he said something really bad but I was thinking how many more managers will Thomas Muller outlast at Bayern yeah well, well do you know what I mean because he just like the amount of times that he's been written off by managers or or subbed by managers or benched by managers but yeah, so, I don't know, man. I mean, we've spent all this time talking about buying because they've gone out and we have talked about
1: Thomas Muller's the, I think, the one person, maybe the voice, people maybe wish they could remove. Like, this is such a chaotic board that I bet there's people that wish they could, there's times they wish they could have sacked Muller because of what he said. Or he's he just, he's unsackable. You can't remove him. He's brilliant. I think he's such an important force. He's a balancing force in that dressing room. But yeah, that chaos at board level, like, a club like Bayern should not have that chaotic a board. It just shouldn't be. Because mm. it's harming them. It's really harming them. And it's, it's you've seen it on the pitch now. Mm. Yeah, but, but, on, um, but on, on City. On Man City. On City. I mean. Um, quick shout out to John Stones for a beautiful piece of footwork second half. When that man started hotdogging, I was like, this tie's done.
2: Listen, also to when him and Leon Goretzka squared up against each other. <laughs> You're like, oh. I, I, I just kept refreshing the timeline. I was like, oh, do you know what? In the good old days of peak Twitter... T- that would have gone off. There would have been a flurry of activity on the timeline, seeing Leon
1: Goretzka and uh, John Stone square up against each other. I don't think Stone's truly wanted that to go through to the conclusion. I don't think that's... Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, um, it was really interesting to see City just come into their own in this game. Grealish again, just playing with... L- brilliant, man. Letting the game come to him. Letting the game come to him. He was excellent. Bernardo Silva again. Very, very good. And De Bruyne are enjoying the space he was, that he exploited that he was given as well. City just look as accomplished as they've looked in a while.
2: And they've figured out the Holland problem now. The, the, the problem that is, is on course for like a record goal tally in a City shirt for a season. But I feel like you, their goal is a prime example of this. Mm. Just City in October, November don't execute that move that lightning quick. Or create that amount of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the thing about City this season. I mean, I yeah, I can't. It might have been Miguel Delaney who tweeted something uh, similar to this, but I totally agree with him. Like, you remember there being a final four where there was one side who was so clearly better than the rest.
1: I can't actually.
2: Jan, you know what that means now? Real Madrid will go through to the final.
1: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yes,
2: yes. Yeah, yeah, actually, there have been times in the past where we felt like City were the best team in the tournament and they've just stumbled. I think you saw in this game, like for example, like Haaland missing a penalty, which is rare, and then responding in the way he did was just like,
1: I mean, exceptional, lovely finish as yeah. well. Great, I to, don't think
2: yeah. Upa Makano is gonna, is gonna want to play Man City ever again. No, I
1: don't think so. I think mean, that's fair. He had a really torrid, torrid tie, he did, but um, and to be honest, he's never really recovered his Leipzig form. I'll be honest, if we're being no, frank, he's never really it. recovered it. Not. Should
2: we shift to Man City's?
1: Opponents in the next... I think, yes. I think that's right. Let's do that yeah,
2: quick because we can do Real Madrid. Real Madrid, 2-0 against Chelsea at, the, at Stamford Bridge. Two goals from Rodrigo. Um,
1: Chelsea, Chelsea though. Well. Chelsea were good. Chelsea could have had two before half-time. Should have. The Kante, should have. The Kante scuffed finish from, what, 12 yards out. That should have at least been on target. They created a great room there. I was Look, when I saw the lineup, I was a little sceptical. Yeah. Of a gallagher Havertz front two, or sort of a 1-1, one, one, a 3-5, three, a three-five-one-one yeah. one fine, but gallagher Havertz, I thought, doesn't give you maybe the, 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 quite the quality you need, but they acquitted themselves really, really well. But then again, the things that let them down are the things I was afraid of in the end, like Hartbert's exceptional feat. But there's a thing that someone said to me about what made Alan Shearer an elite striker. He puts his laces through it where others don't. And Kai Havertz doesn't put his laces through it. Like he doesn't overhit. This is the thing. This, it's a small thing, right? But you know, look like at Didier Drogba and Alan Shearer at their peak. They were very happy to overhit strikes because it meant the strike was hit with decisive power to beat the goalkeeper. Kai Havertz doesn't really overhit a strike. And there's a, there's a tentativeness with his finishing that's still there. Like he creates the space, he makes the room and he just doesn't hammer it. And I think this is not, This is not on him necessarily. This is who Kai Havertz is. He's there to create space for a nine, right? That's where he's devastating and he can be a great foil. But the folly of leaving Aubameyang out of the Champions League squad is again clear. The absolute folly of that. And this is again a structural problem. It's a coaching problem uh, because that cost Chelsea in the end. They could well, and when Madrid was still slumbering, because Madrid didn't wake up until what maybe, until the Valverde break. Yeah. But until then, Madrid were kind of asleep because Madrid were like, oh, wake us up at the semi-final, which is what they do in every tournament these days, (laughs) every Champions League. Chelsea had their chances.
2: Mm. They really did, man. They really did. I feel like, again, two two ties that on paper look like they've been cruised through, like Man City and, and Real Madrid, but the opposition put their chances away. Could have been massively different. Now I know that this is this is like a kind of massive part of football and if you get to the Champions League quarterfinal stage and you're not putting chances away then you're going to go out. You're
1: going home, yeah. But
2: I think weirdly so far this was probably the most encouraging Lampard performance or Chelsea's Lampard Lampard's Chelsea's performance wait, I can't speak. The most encouraging performance from Chelsea since Lampard returned. There you go.
1: Which is ironic because it's the one that gets him the most criticism because I think he's the first Chelsea manager to start with four straight losses. Yeah. Even though two were against Madrid, but still, like, we move. But you're right, it's, it's, you know, like a bit like when you were talking about Klinsmann at Hertha and you saw, you saw yeah. room for, opt- no, well, but you saw, no, you saw room for yeah.
2: optimism. Well, listen, you know, when you're doing like training sessions, like the underwater torpedo league, you're getting... To-
1: <laughs> and Lampard actually, look, if you're talking about team building at Chelsea, <sighs> This was encouraging in terms of like, this was a team playing with intensity, with togetherness, all the things that Lampard talked about, um, all the best things that he talked about, all the things that he celebrated. And Chelsea showed that for the first half hour, 40 minutes. It was really, really good. And he coached well in mid-harmony. The problem that Lampard has, of course, is that his perceived peak is nowhere near the perceived peak of any other manager they could have got in the picture. Judging by some of the names linked with Chelsea at the moment, the fact that Luis Enrique has apparently slid down the list of preferred candidates is a concern. That is a concern. Mm. Um, Because if, see, if Nagelsmann does get the Chelsea job, there'll be a lot of people who are happy with the fancy football. But after about three months, when it takes a while for him to really get his ideas across, and he's still having stuttering results, which he will because that squad is still a bit of a mess, there'll be a lot of people quietly saying he hasn't won anything. And that's why Luis Enrique, Lewis Enrique is, the player, is the person they should get. Because no one's ever going to say that man hasn't won anything. And at Chelsea, you need, I think you do need a trophy cabinet that's fairly well populated to buy your time. I just think it's that kind of club. It's a top club. It's an elite club. It's a big club. It needs people who've already won. I think European stuff, actually, at this point. Because Luis Enrique is the one guy that can go in and just say, we're not having any of that all that, all that, all that.
2: We had this weird thing again where um, Chelsea draw Real Madrid in the Champions League and Madrid rock up looking like Sevilla and it always just spins my brain out <laughs> with black socks. The black socks, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. just
1: weird. It's just weird. Well, Madrid seemed happy. They didn't seem too hindered by the black socks in the second half. Um, I mean, they didn't
2: seem really bothered. bothered by much. No, they didn't. I think Chelsea would be kicking themselves to so not at least putting a bit of pressure on them by putting one of those chances away because I wonder how Madrid would have responded to that. It would have been... Mega interesting,
1: but Real Madrid play Manchester City in the semi-final. Are you going to call it? No, no, I refuse to. I refuse to. The football gods, the football gods are cackling at anyone that calls this. I'll make one prediction that's definite to come true. This tie will be emotionally exhausting.
2: I think it's going to be one of two extremes, actually. I think it's either going to be super disappointing and Man City are going to cruise it, or I think it's going to be like watching the football equivalent of everything everywhere all at once
1: <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> um, should we go and talk about the other two semi-finalists after
0: this let's do that this episode is brought to you by State Farm
2: Oh man, do we do Napoli-Milan?
1: I think we should. I think oh, Napoli, Napoli, Napoli. Okay, um, I'll just say this about Napoli. I really worried when I saw the red card for Anguissa that it would be crucial and I think yeah, it was. It I really think was, it was, yeah. look, because we talked about margins in the previous segment um, of this podcast. Margins being everything. The margins on Dombele allowing the ball to run across his body to enable the counter. And then Raphael Leal, he chases Raphael Leal for 70 yards and doesn't get any meaningful challenge in.
2: Do you know what he should have done? As soon as Raphael Leal crosses the halfway line, and i am you know that I kind of hate this in theory, but the rich this is fail. what you've got to do now. The rich could foul. Rafael Leal is taken down on the halfway line and
1: they take a booking. I think that's absolutely right. And there were there were 70 yards where Ndombele had a chance to make some meaningful interaction. He's not quick enough, but then he could have cut across him in different ways. He didn't do it. And Anguissa, I don't think that happens. I don't think that passage play happens if Anguissa's there. Now, that's maybe unfair to single up at one moment. So let me single out others. Quarix Scalia has been outstanding all year. And there are specific moments he put the ball high and wide that two months ago, they're on target. They're on target. They just are. And I don't mean the penalty because actually I thought that was the best struck effort of all. I thought it was just Money Mike made a great save, actually, in the penalty. Quarac Scalia, all of them, Politano, Zielinski, there were strikes they had on goal where they were snatching at it. And to me, I attribute that to the heightened altitude. Champions League, you are playing altitude and everything is rushed, right? When you're assured, because you saw Victor Osserman was the one Mm. player who was completely unintimidated by anything and he's ready for it. This is a player that hasn't won anything yet, major, which he probably will with the the, uh, Serie A title. Should still win that uh, for Napoli. This man hasn't yet done it in Europe and yet he was absolutely ready. Whereas the other Napoli players, you saw a team that hasn't won anything big yet and that's not a knock on them. It's simply because they are where Milan were 18 months ago. And because Napoli are so far ahead of their development, right? because they've leapt so far ahead of expectation this year, it's really sad for them that this month is the first month we've actually seen a team who were like, Oh my God, we're like overperforming. We're yeah. overperforming in terms of like we shouldn't be this good. And the sad thing was, it felt like the other night was the night they kind of realized it because they didn't seize it. And Napoli, Milan, because Milan have won that Serie A title and because Giroud has won a World Cup, is resilient enough to recover from a penalty that's saved.
2: You yeah. Know? I mean this is we were talking about how sometimes just a bit of muscle memory kicks in. It does. Right. I think, I think it does. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you've seen it uh, even though they won the FA Cup a few years ago, but you've seen it a little bit with Arsenal at times this season where they've right. not really kept the foot on the pedal. Yeah. Um and I think you've seen it at a little bit of points at, at points with Napoli who have won there's a, a Coppa Italia, of,
1: don't get me wrong, Yeah, but, Yeah, but, yeah, but I feel yeah, like
2: yeah, yeah. we had a question around the time of the draw for this round saying mm-hmm will their lead in Serie A benefit them in Europe? And we said that we thought it would because they would it would give them the opportunity to rest and rotate. But what happened was, because of a lot of, I think a lot of it in part of the stuff that was going on with the ultras, mm. they kind of stuttered in the league so they had no momentum going into
1: Europe. I think they're going to really regret that 4-0 and letting Milan get that good a look at them.
2: Yeah. That that's that was it. They, they, they rid, Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, there was just no fear. Before that, a lot of people feared Napoli. Like you saw how they destroyed Liverpool early on in the season. Everyone was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And gradually, since February, that has started to erode a little bit. that's yes. That fear. Yes. And I feel like they're going to get over the line in Serie A because they're just miles ahead and they've got nothing. You know, they can go full steam ahead now for the rest of the season. But yeah, I think Spalletti will look at this afterwards and be like. Ah, we had that. This we yeah, we, we, we actually really did. we had
1: the quality to do this. Yeah, yeah.
2: But um, a lovely moment in this game when um, Giroud goes to celebrate with Raphael, Liao, who's knelt down and he's ready to polish Olivier Giroud's boots for him, and Giroud ignores it and gets down on his knee and instead tells Leal
1: to put his. boots. You know, on it's it. like it's like the scene in The Hobbit, the end of the Return of the King, when everyone's bowing, <laughs> Aragorn's bowing. He's like, "No, my friends, you bow to no one." <laughs>
2: It was Gandalf their highest ship trying to, trying to <laughs> drag them off? Trying to drag them off around some other <laughs> deathly quest. mounting range advantage. Yes, yes, like
1: And now onwards to the semi finals, my brothers. Have <laughs> <Can> I- <laughs> <Can>
2: I- <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that? How the whole concept of that thing is just basically a stoner wizard nearly kills everyone. That's basically <laughs> it. That's the whole premise of Lord of the Rings. Everybody, I hate when people are like, oh, it's about friendship. And I was like, no, no, no. It's about never listening to your one friend who's always high as fuck when they say, I've got an idea. No. That's a terrible idea. Like If Gandalf was in uni halls now, that's the kind of shit he'd be doing. He'd be like, do you think we can jump in a paddling pool from the top of our uni halls?
1: Fucking no.
2: (laughs) Stupid, man. Why does... And also, this is the thing that annoys me. I think Gandalf is a shit friend. Uh, I don't know why we've got into this territory, but we should do he puts, like- Because
1: he puts people in jeopardy.
2: No, no, do you know what? You know what yeah, again? but also he has like, why the fuck doesn't he just call the Eagles 20 minutes before? <laughs> why do people
1: nearly have to die? No, this, is, the... this is a hot take. This is why, this is a hot take I have. I think that Kevin De Bruyne is the Gandalf of Man City. Do you know why? In terms of the bad friend category, he's a very bad friend. And I explain why specifically. There was one moment maybe cried cry with laughter during the game. Kevin Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> City are well clear. They're going to win. He puts Alvarez in a foot race with Alfonso Davies. And I think he did that for fun. <laughs> he plays his through ball. Poor Alvarez. And he just... <laughs> Alfonso Davies absolutely cooks him. And I need to watch this get this footage because I can guarantee on the team bus they're playing it going, ah, uh, how was the sprint then? <laughs> De Bruyne knowing full well his friend has to chase it. Unnecessarily
2: still plays... testing his hamstrings late into April. Yeah. I laughed
1: my head off when I saw that. I was like, yeah. that—that's you're trolling your friend there.
2: Anyway, Gandalf,
1: bad friend. Gam- Gandalf is like a—he's a good bad friend because everyone's got the friend that's great to hang out with, but always like plays a practical joke. Way to extra, you. Yeah, 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 always, yeah.
2: I was just like, oh, man, can you just let me? Can I sleep without one eye open? <laughs> exactly, just once. <laughs> um, where were we? We were on Napoli beating Napoli, uh, Napoli losing Milan. to yeah. What? Na- me, Milan Milan. Yeah. Beating Napoli. Eliminating Napoli too on an aggregate. And Liao's Uh, Liao's
1: outstanding assist. And look, just shout out to Liao, who's really come to life. And also like, I did mention this before because I'm proud of it. I was on AC Milan TV a few months ago and they were talking about the crisis for Milan and Pioli was coming under a lot of pressure. And this, this really should have lifted a lot of that. It should have Mm -hmm. lifted a lot of that pressure. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. And again, look, that is credit to a club for backing the actual manager. Because there were people in and around that situation that probably wanted him gone. But, you know, Sparta has prevailed. That's a lesson for other big European clubs.
2: Napoli have Juve on the weekend away and I feel like they desperately need a win. They've only won one game in April. I feel like they need to start picking up some form. Afterwards, they host Salernitana, and then they go away to Udinese. They've got Fiorentina at home. They go to Monza and then they play and they host Inter. So, I don't think the title is in any real danger but they it's, it's so weird. They're in this weird position where they could win the title for the first time in, what, 30 years? 30 mm. odd years. And it could feel like a disappointment. It could feel like it's petering out a little bit. It's
1: weird, huh? Well, the good thing is, look, Osimhen's back and he looked brilliant last night. Got a great header. Even he could score. He scored past the, the great money Mike. He's looking great. And Geese is going to be back. Mm. If Napoli just play their full-time line, their full lineup in the big games, they should be fine. I don't worry about them. I think the concern is that As you say, there'll be that kind of sense of, it will be slightly flat because it's the sense of what could have been. It's the knowledge they'll probably be broken up after this season. That's the problem. Yeah,
2: maybe, but maybe there's a parallel with Arsenal going on, where actually the sense of the task, like the form doesn't drop, you're still ahead, and all of a sudden the scale of the task, like, you know, maybe they should have called, should have have called the Eagles, should have called the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Not the band, by the way. No, 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 no. Not now, guys. Not now. Welcome to the- No, stop <laughs> what you... <laughs> trying to win a title. What, Hotel Salonatana? Little- no, just a- For the first time in history, there's going to be five Derby della Madanina's in one season. Incredible. And that's because Inter will face Milan in the semi-final. This the- is one of the best games of the round.
1: Yes, and I think it's one of those ones where Benfica will go away wondering what could have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so fascinating. So, shout out to Lotar Martinez, actually, just at the top, because he is a player who came back from a difficult World Cup. Even though they won, he wasn't at the level he wanted to be by his own admission. And he's come back and been really decisive. Um, and he was decisive again, really important points of this game, at this tie, sorry. Now, you think when Inter take the lead through Barella, gorgeous goal. And again, margins, 50 50 challenges that Benfica miss on the way to the the Barella goal, he curls into the top corner with the left foot. Are those margins that, are those tackles that are missed with Benfica at their best? I don't think so. Are they tackles that are missed when Enzo is still there? I don't think so. Like the intensity level that Benfica brought at their best in this tournament was not there at crucial points of this tie, which is really sad for them because peak Benfica, I think, gets through this tie over two legs. Mm. But the difference is that Inter, you talk about the muscle memory, their muscle memory was right there. They were a team that were like, yeah, we've been to the like, Europa League final recently. We've been to like late stages in Europe. We've handled business, and we've got players that have done things on big stages, and all of that is brought to bear. So the experience, I think, wins out here. And but Benfica don't let it go. Like they're on half time. They're going to half time at one all with a brilliant sort of crashing header. Mm. Um, Carrera gets a gorgeous curling strike takes it further out of sight after Lautaro gets a second. So it's 3-1 at that point. And they get two late goals, Benfica. So the scoreline looks, again, to your point about scorelines not being entirely representative of the balance of play, 3 all doesn't represent what happened on the pitch because actually it felt more like a 3-1 or a 3-2 maybe um, if we're being charitable to Benfica. But Benfica showed enough in this tie to make them... To make them slightly worse to like what might have been, I think. Mm. If that makes sense.
2: I thought all the goals in this game were really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Like really, really good. And the commentary uh couldn't believe some of the goals. Um actually one thing I meant to mention, speaking of commentary, was uh the DAZN commentators for the Napoli game, Napoli Lumilan game, when was penalty like the one that Raphael got away with.
1: Oh right, okay. Yep, yep.
2: They were just like, oh yeah, I'm Claire penalty. he's gone to VAR, Claire penalty, And then the ref signals a corner and they literally just went, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I always like the German commentators because there's certain names they just love saying. They love the- saying Jack Grealish and they love saying Mason Mount.
2: My favorite subgenre of German football commentary, it usually happens on German Sky because they do the Premier League and it's every game there will be a decision that goes to VAR and they'll be like, oh yeah. Like, clear penalty. It's going to be a clear penalty. And then it doesn't get given and they're just like, what the fuck? Like, what are we watching? Yeah, I feel like German commentators have started to understand Brexit through the prism of our decisions <laughs> in the Premier League. They're like, ah, okay, I, I get it now. <laughs> we just, it's just one of those, like, we shouldn't try. We, as Germans, shouldn't try to understand
1: it. Who are we? Who are we? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an internal it's, dispute, yeah. It's like, it's just,
2: it's just one of those things. You just got to... Anyway, back to Inter. Yes, back to Inter. Yeah, all goals were amazing. Correa, I think Correa's was my favourite, actually. Just the... Oh, the in of the post. Gorgeous strike. But Borella's was like...
1: The, re- the reason I prefer Correa's is because there were the missed challenges going into the 50-50s mm. that, that Benfica don't acquit themselves fully well. Didn't feel as clean, whereas Correa just felt like he outthought everyone.
2: For Benfica, they'll be really disappointed, but I also think getting be. them to the quarterfinals and getting them to have a look at the semis from Roger Schmidt is an, Schmidt is an amazing
1: well it's the girl. same with Spalletti like if someone had said at the start of the season Napoli Champions League quarterfinal and league title you would be like oh mm. we'll take that incredible like if someone had offered that start of the season oh in Benfica's case plus 100 million for Enzo Fernandez, you're like what they would take that they would take that I think so Benfica they can run it back got brilliant players hopefully they'll hang on to a few more of them in the summer we'll see um but they gave so much this tournament, and now Inter go through against AC Milan, and they're both in the beautiful position of having nothing else ready to play for. It's going to be this. so good. They man. need this. They need and <laughs> this is impossible, so impossible to call. Yeah. I want to go, dude. Don't 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 tempt me. with really a good time.
2: I mean, it is going to be amazing to have one of Inter or Milan in the
1: final. It could be any configuration. That's the yeah. thing. It could be, well, either configuration.
2: Uh, so, anything else on the Champions League? Because I feel like we were having a couple of conversations this week just about the Champions League this season as a whole. But I feel like we should save it until the end of the season. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. It's something yeah. that we don't really have time to get into now. But I'd like to do a bit of a deeper dive on it.
1: Perfect. Let's do that. I that.
2: suppose. also, we didn't even really talk about the fact that, like, thanks to Real Madrid and Barcelona, Franco was trending this week.
1: <laughs> History
2: lesson. This is this is this is something else that I want to talk about at some point. But it's, it seems to be so relentless at the moment. For those who don't who aren't aware. Uh, Juan Laporta was doing a press conference because of the kind of Casa Negreira uh, scandal that we've been talking about. And was talking about basically the, 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 the very popular thing that's fired at Real Madrid, which is that they, they've benefited from decisions for years and years and years, and they were the Club of Franco and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I would re- thoroughly recommend for anyone wanting a highly intelligent, extremely honest history of that relationship, Go and read Fear and Loathing in La Liga by Sid Lowe, which is still one of my favourite ever books, let alone football books. It's unbelievable. Um, And I felt instantly more intelligent after reading it. Very smart Um, man.
1: Dr. Lowe, very smart man indeed. Very,
2: very smart. Because, uh, well, Real Madrid responded with this video that they felt, it kind of felt like they'd had ready to go for a while.
1: Um, It goes deep, doesn't it? It goes deep.
2: Basically, with their take on the history side of it. And to be honest, I find this whole thing just absolutely ridiculous. Seeing them stray into kind of like Trumpism, essentially. Like Trumpism, fake news, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, maybe we'll save this for our end of the season debrief because I feel like you and I have had conversations about this that we'll probably do a podcast on. Yes. But just like, despite threatening to for years and years and years, was this the season that Top level men's football finally kind of lost all sense of normality completely. That's interesting, you know, On and off the field. Yeah. Because it feels like everything got ramped up this year. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why the Champions League has maybe felt a little bit underwhelming at points as well. It's just that there has been, it's like, it, it would be like if the final season of Succession was actually 28 episodes long.
1: Yeah. And they sacked, and halfway through it, no, even worse, they sacked the original showrunners three episodes in and brought in new ones to do fan service. Do you know what I mean? That's just what like, it, yeah, yeah.
2: It's a topic that we dip in and out of occasionally, but I do feel like this season, a new normal has been established. And that really worries me yeah. in the future. The new abnormal, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, on that cheerful note, I bet you all, I bet everyone, everyone's just like, going to unsubscribe at the end of the season. So i don't have to listen to that debrief of the season that was, because that doesn't sound very cheerful to me.
1: No, but sometimes it is what it is, isn't it? It's is what it is. There's been some great football, but the overarching themes, man.
2: Got to do the good. You got to do the bad. You got to do it all. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Uh,
2: don't forget those schedule changes for Wright's House. Uh, actually, you and I will be on Friday's Wright's House tomorrow, uh, where we, you, Ian, and I, put together a cold-blooded eleven. Yes. To go check that on the Wright's House that was feed. Great fun. Great fun. Man. Make sure you check Counterpress with Flo and the gang. Check all the other great stuff on the Uh Shout out to Chris Ryan, by the way, who got the quote tweet praise from John Bernthal for his incredible impression of Wayne Jenkins being in the Alien movie.
1: Unreal. So good. Shout so out so to good. Chris Ryan.
2: Yeah. And don't forget to share the Stadio Archer's place on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Technocrats. What did she say? Anything you would like to add, Musa or Quangra? Nothing Nothing further. Are you sure?
1: Can I say this? I'm still wearing Rolex. So for all you doubters, what she listen we're back up <laughs>
2: do you know what I'm really pleased about you finally getting your verification taken away from your <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway much love everyone have a lovely weekend we'll be back with you on Monday see you then